It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable too. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too, with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to the Go Birds Pod, a radio.com podcast about your beloved birds. Hello, everybody. I hope you had a wonderful weekend. It is John Barchard here with you. It is Go Birds Pod number 176, and uh, it is a beautiful afternoon here uh, at 2400 Market. The sun is shining. There is a lot of combine takes, and boy, oh, boy, is there a lot of information to take away. That's why. That's why this weekend is so important. Uh, not because of the testing, not because of anything else. It's because that's where all the information comes from. Certainly, we have to get into... Man, are the Eagles seriously, slightly considering trading Andre Dillard? That's coming from Lynn Zerline. And there's a lot of gray area when it comes to that again. Just want to rehash some of the things we might have talked about on Wednesday and how it applies to that kind of current situation. And really, I want to drive home the point today that the combine and information is what we all seek. And because of the way that we saw Andre Dillard as a talent and what you're going to see now and every offseason leading up to a draft, there's only one aspect that we cover as you know media members. And there are some things that we downplay a lot of the time that should be part of how you evaluate guys. And that's the mental side of it. And that is really, really hard to nail down unless you are, you know, taking every single thing that NFL teams do, asking them the same questions during that interview process to better understand what type of person you're dealing with. We don't do that, and we don't have the ability to do that. And guess what? Trying to figure out if a guy can play or not just from a tape level is incredibly hard. 
uh, alone. That is why, like, it is almost near impossible for the three of us to start breaking down tape. Because, one, there's no way we're going to be able to break down tape the way that the professionals do. And I'm including guys like the Draft Network or Fran Duffy, Greg Cosell, Journey to the Draft. I know it's team-based, but they do a phenomenal job of breaking down prospects there. On and on and on. And the, the biggest part missing from all that, because we don't have access to it, is the information the teams has. We're always going to be behind the eight ball no matter what. If we got, if we think a guy can play or can't play. Now, what's great about it is I think the draft media alone really goes in and questions bad GMs or good ones in general. And it, it creates a good conversation on, you know, why would you take this productive guy versus this talented guy and learn from all of those things. Uh, it's getting closer to that for sure. But for me, it is much more interesting. And God almighty, would I get bored about talking about freaking bends and quick twitches and and God knows what else, too. Like, there's there's nothing inherent in me that goes, oh, I can't wait to learn more about learning how to select guys more properly. I would rather learn from the guys who have already done that process, have been through that process, and hopefully, you know, we that's our job. Our job should be able to get guys that have worked in those scouting departments and front offices to get you a better understanding of what actually happens to it. Because by the time that all these talented guys finally get into a locker room, all bets are off. It doesn't matter if they're the most talented person in the world or that they blew your eyes away and mind away looking at the combine, combining that with the tape that you've been you know, rigorously going over for six months because one thing can screw that all up. Being a dickhead or being soft or being whatever term that you don't like about that person's, uh, you know, mental block in particular, which is why we get into so many fights about, you know, quarterbacks and how they go or wide receivers because, yes, like this guy should have worked out. Why is he? Well, he's uh, dumb or he's too smart or he's too selfish or whatever the case may be. We don't get access to a player's mentality. And I think that is more than 50% of the process a lot of the time. Do they get along well in the same room? Are you going to cut a fart that's so bad that it smells like onions and ketchup? Shout out to Step Brothers, which was on over the weekend. Of course I'm referencing that here. So I'm saying all this basically as a reminder of what the combine really is. And we all know that because you and I are very smart people. And we don't need to have things explained at a basic level like that, even though I'm doing it anyway. But... That's when I start thinking about Andre Dillard and how this stuff is starting to come about because we heard all the the Jason Peters stuff. I gave my theory on that on the last podcast, and you're more than welcome to go back and listen to that. We had a fun time at Parks. It was me and James. Uh, and my Basically, the, the too-long-didn't-read version is that Jason Peters still controls that locker room based on his career, but also maybe it was just as strong to say because – Maybe the Eagles are shopping around Andre Dillard. And to make it look like a front where like, hey, I'm coming back no matter what, then that kind of gives them an option to at least (laughs) explore a trade to see what they would get, even though, quote unquote, he's the future, so on and so on and so on. So maybe this was an Eagles ask more than a Jason Peters ask in trying to fit that in. But like I said before, if... The Eagles believe, and they are at a crucial time right now, dealing with all the Alshon drama, which some more info came out about that and I'll get into. Uh, again, coming from Jeff McClain, who's been doing an outstanding job, at least getting this getting this information. I thought it's it's been a really good offseason for Jeff. And Kemsky and a lot of other people, so I don't, I'm making sure I got everybody. But uh, 
this is this is the part where you go, well, there's an Alshon problem they need to get rid of. There's some other guys that they're going to move on from that may or may not be a part of that me and team type of guy or I, I'm the re- part of the reason and more of the reason of why the Eagles won the Super Bowl, so on and so on. They've got to figure out which direction they want to go, and it's around Carson Wentz. So it's uh, is it what Carson Wentz thinks about Andre Dillard and, and their future protecting him? Do they look at him as a guy that there's no way that he could be a leader, or is it just his overall talent? And we don't have answers to any of those questions again. Now, what I can say is, if you're basing Andre Dillard on his talent and whether or not you need to move on from him, then we need to have a serious discussion on what we're looking at. And maybe I can bring in one of those fancy people to tell me what I'm missing when it comes to Andre Dillard. People have looked at him throughout the course of the season and said, I, 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 I'm not sure. He stumbled. He came back. He came out. They they threw him at right tackle, which he shouldn't have been. He tipped every single play for a half. They took him out. Big V's in. It sounds like Big V's going to you know go be a starter after this year, so I don't know if the Eagles are going to have an opportunity to bring him back in. There's all these other different factors, and like, maybe we should move on from Andre Dillard. But I don't think it's talent. Clearly it is not. There's struggles. There's learning experiences, but what troubles me the most is that a unit which has been so incredibly taught and well, taught well, coached well, from Jeff Stoutland, and making the me making the argument last week on like, not only are you, not only will you never have a problem with the, with the offensive line because you're going to be able to get something out of them. That's how good of a coach Jeff Stoutland is. If Jeff Stoutland doesn't believe mentally, physically, or whatever, that Andre Dillard cannot be a starting tackle in this league, that is very, very, very bad news. Now, uh, as a reminder, this is all coming from Lance Zerline. Lance is uh, a a very trustworthy guy when it comes to information, first and foremost. He's another guy that I really like in terms of evaluation and talent. And he is full well saying, yes, I said this on the air, and that's where this is coming from, 97.5 down in Houston, I believe it's another uh, ESPN-affiliated station, I couldn't necessarily find the audio of it. I I looked throughout the whole week. I listened to the first two hours in which they're on in the morning from 7 to 9 a.m. If you come across that by any chance, by all means, point it out to me, and I'll make sure everybody hears it. Um, So I thought that was a little odd in particular that it didn't make it to the podcast side, you know, and it it might be for it just didn't make it there or they, they thought it would be a bad idea if it was there for moments like this because Man, do they know how Philadelphia reacts when we get a little nugget like this. And that's a big deal. That's a huge story if that's true. And and granted, I don't know if it came secondhand. I don't know if that was directly to Lance. You hear a lot of things in Indy. Okay? And that's the other part you have to understand about this too. People are going to get drunk and people are going to talk. And every single beat writer in the country, every single national person, everybody that knows anything about anything, is going to get drunk and they're going to start talking. It's just the nature of the business. And that also includes coaches and assistant coaches, scouts, everybody. Everybody's unwinding. Everybody knows what spots to stay in Indianapolis, whether that's the JW Marriott, whether that's St. Elmo's, whether that is, you know, I don't know, the the richer places, which I can't afford to go to when I travel to Indianapolis. Like the whole experience is nothing but a funnel of information and shit you've heard. 
you know, and I would assume that the people that Lance hangs out with enough to say that on the radio is probably more valid than not valid. So that's why it's all about the person where it's coming from the credibility of it. And Lance is outright downplaying it essentially. Hey, and even comes out and says it, Hey, I don't expect this to, you know, blow up Philly Twitter. And the next thing, you know, uh, we do a good job of pretty much doing that (laughs) anyway. So it's out there and it's a thing. And now Andre Dillard knows about it too, whether it's true or not, but there's an instant that the, the guy you got to replace Jason Peters, you already want to move uh, on from. And, I don't know if you're viewing it the same way that I am, but I'm certainly viewing it in one way. They don't like him, and they think he's soft because it's not about his talent or locker room fit. If I had to guess on anything, it is definitely that. Because like I said, like there's just there's no way you can look at his tape and go, there's nothing to work with there. So that has to be from a mentality side of emotional intelligence. Hey, those two words, I didn't even mean to put them together. But yeah, there you go. Emotional, intelligent, and emotionally intelligent. Something's missing in one of those three categories or all of them or something like that. But again, it's just a rumor, but it is coming from Lance Erlott. <laughs> so that's, I, I, I would pay attention to uh, to how this thing goes here. And I wonder what your reaction is. What's your reaction? This is what I want to know from you guys. What's your reaction if you... What is your reaction if Andre Dillard is indeed on the block or there is now like Schefter reporting about it and Rappaport reporting about it in some fashion that the Eagles are trying to move on from Andre Dillard? What's your first initial thought? Mine is throwing up. Mine is throwing up. Because then I'll be really wrong, first and foremost. But secondly, the Eagles are going to be ass backwards and then it really is about rebuilding. Because Howie has now fully admitted, even before all this has happened, we've made a lot of different mistakes. We can't do this again. We've got to move on to a different process. And now all I can think about is I wonder if he was talking about Andre Dillard. More importantly, we've got some very large juicy news from one from the one they call Mr. Adam Kaplan from Inside the Birds. There has been a lot of different opinions on Byron Jones. I'm going to leave mine here, and we'll set that up for Wednesday, uh, which will be at Parks Casino, 6 to 8 p.m. All three of us will be there. James will be hosting. It's going to be a lot of fun. Come on out. Uh, Secondly, before we get into that, big news. You better save this Friday, April 24th, 7 p.m. Put it in your calendar right now. Put it in your Google calendar, your iCal, whatever it is you, you just... Just go on over to your calendar at home if you got still the, uh, what do you call those things uh, where you can erase it? The dry erase marker board. There we go. The whiteboard. The old school one. Maybe you get love puppies and flowers. Flip that bad boy open. April 24th, 7 p.m. That is when our draft party is going to be. This week, I would assume by Thursday, no later than Thursday, at worst Friday, we will have the venue we have the date. Now we just got to finalize the venue. We've got a pretty uh, good idea of where it's going to be. And um, we're very, very excited because we've got a lot of different themes planned depending on who says yes and who says no. <laughs> and, one, and one of them definitely involves an Elliot-themed party uh, in a good way because uh, I, I think it'll be an, an opportunity to praise him and rip him at the same time. So uh, very excited that we are going to be hanging out with you during the draft 
Uh, it'll be uh, day two, obviously, right when I believe all the wide receivers are going to be taken for Philadelphia Eagles purposes. At least that's my theory, and I'll get into that in a little bit here too. Uh, but very excited for that. And then uh, final thing, and then we'll get into Byron Jones, I promise. The first inaugural Podcasters and Beers, which I am hosting on my own solo, uh, whether you are brand new to podcasting or want to understand what podcasting is, how to start your own, even if it's just as simple as like, I just want to know more about podcasts. Very informal. And what I want you to do is come out to the Conshohocken Brewing Company, 739 East Elm Street, this Thursday, 7 o'clock, where everyone is going to be in a very casual, laid back, let's just talk about podcasting. And really, it's a way to bring the the Philly podcasting community together. Because I, I think we are way overdue for that. I want to make sure that we're empowering everybody and that we're having a fun time. And is Or like I said, even if you just want to want new podcast recommendations to listen to, or if you're just a beer lover and want to come taste the wonderful things that they have for us at Concha Huck and uh, Brewing Company, please do. I've obviously made it close to my house so I can walk there, hang out with y'all. Uh, it's completely free, obviously, and we're going from 7 p.m. until they close, which is right about 10 o'clock. There will be more events like this. I can't promise you that they're going to be really frequent or whatever, so this one is kind of special, and I hope that you can kind of make it out to there, and then uh, we're going to expand that idea, hopefully, you know, later on uh, during, uh, during you know, when we, when we throw a couple of these shindigs, or I throw a couple of these shindigs. So very excited to meet you guys if you can make it out this Thursday, Conchahawken Brewing Company, 739 East Elm Street. Uh, shouts to uh, to uh, Glenn Macknell for letting us uh, take over his place there for a night. All right, let's get into uh, Byron Jones as a- Adam Kaplan today on the Inside the Birds podcast. Shout out to those guys, him and Jeff Mosher. Um, and something that they've been on for a while now there too, but um, Kaplan's got really good sources when it comes to the Eagles. We all know that. Uh, and is basically saying they're going to be the first team up when they're allowed to talk to the agents. You know, Jake Rosenberg and Howie Roseman are going to go. I mean, I don't know. The term is there will be all in, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to go. They're going to go for it. So is there going to be a, a host of other teams that want Byron Jones's services? And I think we've all collectively kind of been like, okay, um, me and Elliot do believe that you look at what he can do and go, all right, he's not that special, and he's going to get overpaid. I still believe that for sure, and I can't remember who I was talking to. Somebody in the DMs, but it is it was a very good point, and we got into a little bit of a conversation, I think, publicly too, about you know Byron Jones fits more of a mold of trying to replace Malcolm Jenkins than he does as just like this true corner that can also play safety and vice versa here. Byron Jones, to me, and and obviously the Eagles were interested in in him. At some point, because it's the Nelson Aguilar draft, there were Byron Jones people. There was Nelson Aguilar people. I was a Byron Jones guy. I liked Nelson Aguilar. I didn't love him, but understood his run after the catch ability. And we only got really one year out of that. And we know how that goes. But I, I, I think Byron Jones is fine, you know. And if you're going like, no, James Bradbury, he's more, he's a lot cheaper, and you can just keep him. You know, and, and James only plays on the outside. That's not exactly. I'm I'm changing my mind a little bit on this. Not in terms of I don't think Byron Jones is this like ultra uber special guy that's been hiding in Dallas. Even though I think they do a very simplified defense of <laughs> I don't know, basically doing the same things over and over. So do I think Byron Jones is hiding some of the things that he can do in his creativity and his playmaking skills? Absolutely, because they're not really 
leaning on his instincts in Dallas, and they never really have leaned on his instincts in Dallas. And I don't think they do that a lot with their corners and DBs most of the time. Uh, you know, and, and maybe that's just perception, but that's that's my understanding of, of what Dallas does a lot of the time. So for the ability for a guy to be able to come in and play the slot, out and play corner, back to play safety, that's exactly what they've been trying to draft for for a long time. It's what they're doing with Avante Maddox. To an extent, you can do that with uh, Craven LeBlanc. It fits the mold of what this defense does. And honestly, it fits the mold of what the NFL is right now. Because like I, I, I'm the only one that keeps championing the 416, where I'm just kind of ignoring the second linebacker altogether. Just give me one and a hybrid at that. Like that's coming at some point. I firmly believe that you're going to need so many guys in the secondary that can do everything. This is no longer a specialized type of, of backfield here. You know, for a point, Sidney Jones was going in and out when they got him here. Avante Maddox, we thought, maybe just keep him on the outside, and we learned that his best spots are on the inside. Uh, every And that's been true for a very long time. And that didn't actually matter if you were Chip, if you were Andy, or if you know you are Jim Schwartz and Howie Roseman. You need guys that are coming in and out of here to be able to do anything, do anything. And that's that's a hard task. But when you're running, you know, your inverted cover twos and Ronald Darby always looks confused. And if you're unsure about an inverted cover two, it's essentially when either one or both corners turn in uh, to safeties and go back and try and trick people into throwing it deep. You know, so you essentially have this blanketed one-on-one coverage with a little cushion. That should that's how it should go, and then the safeties drop down to take out, you know, the the out or the flat or the you know the middle of the field route, whatever it is, to confuse the quarterback. And they don't have a lot of athletic guys that can, you know, fake one way and go the other, essentially. And if you don't know exactly what I'm talking about, just think of all the things that Ed Reed can do. And I'm not saying that you need a thousand Ed Reeds back there, but be able to change direction basically on a dime and go. If Ronald Darby was a safety and a good one and had instincts, that's what they're looking for. That makeup speeds so you can you're able to cover a whole bunch of different parts of this field. Byron Jones can do that. He's incredibly athletic. Incredibly athletic when it comes to that. That doesn't mean dick when it actually comes to I need you to play corner, I need you to play really well, I need you to play safety, I need you to play really well, I need you to be a slot guy, I need you to play really well. You know, who knows what what's going to work out best for him here? And just like we were saying from a locker room mentality standpoint, Byron Jones looks like a, a very, very solid, solid guy. Um, I don't think they're going to be able to end up getting him because there's just there's too many other things that I think they need to do in free agency and mainly – that's why I wanted to talk to you guys today, especially about Yannick Ngakwe. That's Yannick Ngakwe, the third-round pick out of Maryland, 69th overall. The, the Jaguars, with uh, you know most of their talent, wants to leave. Everybody's feeling, everybody's being real weird about it. You can't do that. Uh, I think Kyle was getting a conversation with Kyle this morning. And forget your handle, buddy. Like, this isn't Madden. You can't just. Trade for franchise tag players. Actually, that's what happens all the time. <laughs> it happens a lot. It happens a lot. Even if it's pre, pre, you know, before the season, after the season, it literally just happened last year. Jalen Ramsey just happened. And I know that there's a lot of people, well, it didn't work out for them. Look how it worked out good for the Rams. Yeah, because situationally, what they were going through, um, we all know that a person that gets there midway through the season and then is just expected to know how things go with the defense 
the team was already playing like crap. They replaced their defensive coordinator, a whole bunch of other things. I would still want Jalen Ramsey as a Philadelphia Eagle the same way that I would want Ngakwe here for a second-round pick, a first-round pick, whatever it is. Guys, pass rusher is a need, uh, a 1,000% need. It doesn't matter if they've played uh, paid Brandon Graham or not. It doesn't matter if they've got to figure out whether or not Malcolm Jenkins, Zach Ertz, that whole discussion continues on. I am astounded, astounded by the amount of resistance that it would take like, whatever, 20, 21, 22 million dollars a year to get Ngakwe here and have him be here as one of your main pass rushers. That is much better than Derek Barnett. Derek Barnett can go back into the role which he was really good at and accustomed to and being that third the end while Brandon Graham is here and maybe you get lucky and Derek Barnett can take over for Brandon Graham. And then you have young, skilled pass rushers. We're not freaking out. That should be the the first thing out of your mouth. You know, I know we're, we just went through the Dillard stuff, and maybe there's an, an opportunity. Yeah, that, that would change a lot of different things. But between offensive line and pass rushers, like it's second or third on the list in terms of philosophy. In any NFL franchise, but especially with the Eagles, and how he's basically told that to us already. So... I'm really blown away by people resisting the idea of whatever you would have to give up, even if that's a first-rounder, a first-rounder plus, second-rounder plus, where the Eagles still only end up with, I don't know, eight picks, nine picks, seven picks for this year, and maybe you have to dive into to next year too or structure it so the hit comes next season, 2021, in that offseason. Or whatever. Or if the CBA is holding this thing up. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen over the next two years? But I do know this. That if you trade for right now in Gakwe, you pay him what he, what the market is right now. And it, just like with Carson and just like with every time we make this argument about paying guys now and early. At 24, signing a five-year deal. Think about it. He'll be Fletcher Cox right now. And you'll have to think about it again but over the course of that deal, it's going to get cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. It's already up to, the cap's up to $200 million. By 2021, could be 225 I don't know, if, if by the percentages it keeps going up like it has been. And there's new cash flow and the NFL continues to make money. Like, it's all going to get cheaper. It's all going to get easier to maneuver with this stuff too. I'm all the way in on that. There's probably a million teams lining up for that right now. Ngakwe needs to be an eagle. If there's an opportunity, you got to clear the board. And no thank you to, to Byron Jones. No thank you to James Bradbury. No thank you to any of those people that you're like, oh, this will be cheaper and good. I don't want cheaper and good. I want great players here. And Ngakwe is 20 fucking four years old. And he's one of the best in the league at what he does. I, I would give up a lot for it. And you should want to do that too. I tell you what, I, I, I have a lot of a lot of different combine thoughts, and I want to save those for Wednesday. But overall, would love to hear from you guys, either by email, gobirdspod at gmail.com. Uh, at uh, gobirdspod, you can you know tweet at us, DM us if you're uh, locked down and on the private accounts there. Our DMs are always open. And as always, the five-star reviews, wherever you are on Apple Pods, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Radio.com, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I look forward to hearing... Everything that you guys want to know from the Combine, your takeaways from it, um, because you guys, 
come up with some of the best questions that sometimes we don't think about. So any three of those places, uh, we will review them on Wednesday for sure. But I just want to leave you with my lasting kind of impressions here. The more and more that this process is going to go on, if you wanted the Philadelphia Eagles to look at it and go, you know what? We need to draft more athletic guys and less guys with production. I think you're kidding yourself at this point. <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe the, you'll get your wish day three. But in terms of like the first, second, and third draft picks after what I just got through explaining with what might happen with Dillard, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside up in the air, the Alshon drama, which we haven't gotten into yet, but... I mean, yeah, a player stood up to Alshon when he was going after his quarterback. Yeah, of course. Good. It's supposed to happen. <laughs> Whatever. Everybody wants to take their guess. I think it'd be funny if it was Nelson Aguilar. Immediately, I know I saw a lot of people that said it was Brandon Brooks. or We get into this guessing game again, but clearly we know one thing. If you had any doubts about it, Alshon Jeffrey, Carson Wentz don't get along, which is I, I, I'm very surprised at some of this, the, the reaction of like, of course, Ruben Frank told you this in the middle of a broadcast during a pregame, uh, during the Philadelphia Eagles pregame show. I can't remember exactly what it is, but I will play it for you. He said it was toxic at one point. It's during the season. Now suddenly it's like a rediscovery, like, oh, yeah, by the way, they don't like each other. People were trying to tell you for a very long time, including probably Josina Anderson, hey, you know, Alshon doesn't like Carson, and I'm going to make sure that that message gets out or whatever. So, I don't know. That's nothing new to me. I just just means that Alshon's definitely not going to be here, which, again, uh, is the reason why I think this is going to happen after seeing the combine, is they're going to rely on the safer picks of this draft. For sure. If you want them to take a step out and be like, hey, you're rebuilding anyway, you need to you know, get, get to make this team young, make it fast. That's all we've heard. I don't think you're going to get your wish exactly. I think you'll get your speed. But you might not have that polished product in what you absolutely want that can step onto a field and be like, finally, there's a wide receiver that we can just trust in. And I, I say that because of the misses that they've been around. Nelson Aguilar hasn't panned out. That's a big deal, and that's not necessarily how he's fault, but this is what you're stuck with. In 16, he didn't really address it. In 17, you went uh, you know, the, the free agent route, and, and I think that that's what's definitely going to happen more and more that I think about it. You have to make a major splash in free agency for a wide receiver, and people are going to be upset by it because of, well, there's so many good wide receivers in this draft class, but not for the Philadelphia Eagles. There just isn't. You need somebody that needs less development a lot, which is going to thin your board out dramatically. You don't have a wide receiver coach that is, well, I mean, you've had one. Mike Groh, and now he's in Indianapolis. You promoted him to offensive coordinator, which he was not good at. You, we can say disaster, fair shake in there too if you want to throw it in. I think that's all fair. Uh, but there's no one to develop these guys. And the same thing with corner. They're going to rely on the safer bets here on yeah, production and can they do the job? Do we have to teach them much? Because the Eagles can't afford to teach somebody for a long time or to develop out that athleticism or to find a role for guys who aren't exactly panning out the way you want them to because there's no one to develop them. That's essentially what I believe happened to J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. At least find a side of the field that he can work from. You know, that's a big, major thing, and maybe they were trying to, and he just can't. And that's a part of the reason of why I was talking about Dillard and linking those two together because you never know until you get a guy in the building. So that's that's going to be more or less like the guys that they're after here too, which 
makes me a little worried because everyone is is so hopped up about Justin Jefferson from LSU, and he should. Like his production in college is very impressive, and as a slot guy, he gets open a lot. And then people just kind of sat there and go, well, he's not a great athlete, so you can wait on him. And then it turns out he is a great athlete. And now that might slide him up to the late first round, early second round, which is prime position for the Eagles. And again, their main thing is find playmakers for sure, but also find reliability. So you're not just going into the season with like Greg Ward's the guy. And then maybe you can mold a guy like Justin Jefferson to take over that role. You make a big free agency splash with guys that you absolutely know. That's where an Amari Cooper could come in or whatever. The playmaker side is all going to come from free agency. The draft side is going to be all, quote-unquote, safe players. Guys that you can rely on. Guys that you can try and mold in because you've got to make sure that your wide receiver coach is good. And if he is, then you're pretty much set. But you also are going to aim for guys that don't need a lot of teaching in what they do. And that There's a lot that comes on the coach. We've realized that as well, how this team was made up. And it seems like it's disjointed once it finally gets onto the field, even though the comp- they all seem like they're supposed to complement one another. That just doesn't happen over the last two years. But uh, my, my big impressions from... From the draft are either Howie is going to trade up and get C.J. Anderson running a fucking four three nine because he's a Florida guy and he's a corner and he does look phenomenal. This is the one time you step out of the SEC and you're going like, all right, that might work. But if you have any kind of feeling that Jalen Rager is going to be here or a, a Danzel Mims who is blazing fast speed and all these other different athletes that you want to bet on, I don't know if that's necessarily going to happen. And this is all round conscious in there, but Denzel Mims, probably not going to happen. Your Jalen Rager is probably not going to happen. There's too many holes. There's too many, I've only played the style that DK Metcalf has. I can only play one side. Your Debo Samuels, all of that. For some reason, it just it doesn't work out here like that, or at least it hasn't proven that it can work out here like that. So I would think they feel okay enough at corner with options that they would like to gamble on the athlete and what you're going to be able to do. And honestly, they've already <laughs> they've already been through every type of scenario that you can with a secondary, and they still and, and go win. So I don't think they'll be taken out of that. But certainly in terms of wide receiver, I think they will definitely edge out production over athleticism. But I know for sure that if C.J. Henderson, who is a Florida corner, comes out and runs a 4-3-9, I mean, that is Howie on a plate, baby. <laughs> that is Howie on a plate. And I actually saw him mocked to the Cowboys. Um, so, I, you know, there's the potential for moving up, I don't think is, is with wide receiver anymore, but I definitely think it's still in play for corners and possibly even safeties, even though I think that's a stretch there too. But for me, on the defensive side of the ball, it's still pass rusher corner after that and then it's and then it's thinking about a safety and this is a name that I I'm surprised hasn't come up especially when you're well Malcolm Jenkins thing is still in the air and I'm sure that'll be addressed at some point uh, but it probably won't be addressed before the draft I'm a big fan of Xavier McKinney from Alabama and I'm not exactly sure why his name is not mentioned enough in this scheme I think his instincts are phenomenal and he came up uh, you know limping for the combine which is really upsetting to see I think he ended up with like a four six three. Um, you know, time, which isn't even great for a safety, um, you know, a couple of, I think he was under 15 reps, which isn't, you know, a, a big deal if you're a safety. But in terms of a guy who's just so incredibly smart on the field, has phenomenal instincts, I'm a big fan of him. 
I'm a really, really big fan of him. So if we're talking about like trade down candidates, especially now, I love the idea that he's going to be there, and and we'll get into all the injured guys <laughs> either uh, before, during, or after the combine because I think that's also very interesting and whether or not the Eagles are going to shy away from that crap or not. Uh, some stuff we'll definitely get into on Wednesday uh, at Parks Casino 6 to 8. Please come hang out there. We'll be there every Wednesday night and so happy that uh, you guys can join us there every Wednesday night. So be looking for all those answers. Uh, we'll get into a big Q&A from you guys and uh, we'll have a lot of fun doing it as well. So, uh, John Barchard here. Thank you so much for listening to episode number 176 of the Go Birds podcast. It's all happening right here. Radio.com, Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'll see you Wednesday and Thursday. Okay, bye. Go Birds! This Go Birds pod was not performed in front of a live studio audience. Okay, wrap it up, boys. Good night.